This is episode 127 for Tuesday, March 20th, 2018, brought to you from Arlington, Texas. This week, we will be discussing style 31B, alternative sugar beer. Welcome to Brew Styles. My name is Chris, and together with Travis, Sawyer, and Powers, we take on the world of beer one style at a time. Every week, we discuss a different style of beer and taste some of our favorites. We hope you leave with a thirst for more. Our podcast may be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Look us up and subscribe to make sure you are kept up to date on our latest episodes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at brew underscore styles. Drop by our website, brewstyles.com, where you can stream every episode, check out our photo gallery, and use the contact tab to send us comments and feedback. You can also find more information about the BJCP and how to become a certified beer judge. Settle in and raise a pint with us as we launch into another episode of Brew Styles. Well, welcome back to another episode of Brew Styles. I am one of your hosts, Chris. I'm also joined today by Travis. How are you doing, Travis? I'm Chris. That's I'm, me. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, I'm just coming off my, my hangover from Sawyer's wedding. Just now? Yes. That was a few days ago. Just now. It was a, <laughs> It was another successful outing with our mobile tap tower system. Yes. And very pleased about that. Mm-hmm. I, I had really been worried about that for several days leading up to it because we've had... We've had just small issues with it from time to time, and uh, I feel like we were really well prepared. Yeah, it went, it went pretty smooth. That we all, you know, no things got there on time. We had the right tools to fix some things that popped up, and which otherwise would have been, you know, some issues. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I feel like we've learned from previous mistakes enough that that we could successfully do more outings with that. Yeah, you suggested putting the tarp inside the tub, and that was. That worked great. Genius. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we took that tub out at the end of the night and like literally just both collectively threw the tarp out onto the out onto the mm-hmm. parking lot and just let the ice sit there and there was no thinking about it from there, right? <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of really good comments uh, about the tower also from people at the venue, the bartender. Oh, yeah. We got a ton of good comments about our beer. <laughs> <laughs> that was live from the wedding. Oh yeah, actually not. <laughs> that was a year ago, but it's yeah. still. You know, but no, sense. yeah. There, there's a lot of people who say, "Wow, that's really cool." Did just like, did y'all make that? I was like, yeah, we did. It's like, oh wow, that's cool. Where'd you get the beer? It's like, well, we made that too. And like, what? <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it was my first time seeing the tap tower uh, in action, and in you action. know, it definitely, it definitely did not disappoint at all. Yeah. It was, you know. It's very well designed. It's, you know, it's attractive looking too. Like, you know, you've got a, (laughs) I designed it and then Friday and I built it. Yeah. I I especially like the, the chalkboard backing of it, you know, just to make it easy to name the beers on the spot. Oh yeah. We thought about doing like a real nice wood backing and then doing chalkboard tap handles. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, that what we ended up with was a lot better. Mm. Yeah. Cause every time it's been at a wedding, it's been behind a bar. You know, maybe a good three, four feet away from the person that's looking at it. So if you got just a little handle, yeah, you'd have to ask the person what's on tap. But at Mm -hmm. least this way, it's a little bit larger. Yeah, yeah. Also joined this week by Powers. How's it going, Powers? 
I'm doing all right. You know, uh, pretty much same story as Travis. Had the uh, went to the wedding this past weekend and Are you just drank off of your hangover too. Uh, you know, I don't have a spring break at Quick Trip, so I was forced to kind of get over that a little bit more quickly. And so I've been working the past couple of days. I think by now I should have gotten most of the uh, most of that drowsiness and headache sorted out but you know it was a really good time and let me tell you the beer was great um yeah you know i you know outside of one of them which i had at the very end of the night when i was having very strong opinions every one of the beers i had was really great um i think yeah let's go through real quick what was on tap yeah so we had five things Mm -hmm. uh number one was from chris yep and that was his uh hefweizen yeah the nerf herder hef the beer that cost me 15 and some change to brew. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm drinking that one right now, actually. And it is it is a half. It's a half. That's exactly <laughs> what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I remember from drinking that uh, during the wedding, it was just real straightforward, real simple. Uh, that's exactly what yep. you were looking for. Yep. And, mm-hmm. Easy to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second, we had Sawyer's uh, Imperial Blonde. Yes. That's the only keg that blew that night, so mm-hmm. uh, obviously it was very popular. Unless Sawyer was drinking the whole thing, which is possible. Yeah. <laughs> there were two different versions of that beer too, which was interesting. Yeah, version one was really good. You know, I I th- thought it was, it was very was pretty well very balanced. hot though. It was it was oh, very alcoholic for sure, for sure. But you know, as you know, as far as it being a good tasting beer, I thought it was actually really good. And then the second version of that beer was. What the one that we brewed Very on? Very under attenuated. Yeah, we'll we'll say it that. was it was much darker. <laughs> it looked like a brown, um, and it was very sweet. It was just very under attenuated. I bet the mm-hmm. second keg was the one that we did here. Yep. Yeah. On that crazy brew day. Yeah. That's what Fratto was saying when he had to add four pounds of sugar. Yeah. To to hit the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so that one was it. It was just totally different. Yeah. Uh, and he ended up coming home with a full keg of that one. So you get to enjoy <laughs> yeah. that yourself. So Have fun with that. And number third we had was, three was Eddie. Uh, yeah, Eddie's Pale Ale, uh, which is pretty good. Yeah, it had a nice little hoppy character to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. The way I re- remember it, it was, you know, had very grassy this hop characteristic. <laughs> had very grassy characteristic, almost dank notes is what I remember from that one. Yeah. You know. Um, it was good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not not too bitter, but it was, you know, what a pale ale should be. Really mm-hmm. strong hop characteristic, which, uh, you know, came out really well for him. Mm-hmm. And then fourth was Fratto's English IPA. I missed that beer actually. Oh, you didn't didn't get a, try, a chance to try it. Well, you had a little taste whenever we first tapped everything. Yeah, uh, it's kind of hard to remember that though. It was it was very earthy, a um, little on the sweet side, but still had that that hop. No, too. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, was that one of his, like, it wasn't one of his stale ales. I don't remember what his, what recipe that was. I don't think it was. Yeah. I, I think it was one that he had brewed before. Was that Fuggles? I think it was Fuggles. Yeah, because that, that was the one that he did on the brew kit day as well. And that was also the one where the grain father kind of, you know, crapped out on him. Mm. Oh, yeah. And it finished yep. way too sweet. So he was contemplating what to do, yeah. whether just. Okay. Well, that explains why it was a little sweeter than than yeah. what we were expecting. But okay. anyway, it was still pretty good. Very, very mm-hmm. flavorful. And then uh, tap number five was Travis's oatmeal stout, which was awesome. I was very pleased with how it came out. Yeah. 
This was the second time I brewed that recipe. The first time, it was too roasty, too acrid, and then I changed uh, how I added the dark malts the second time. I waited until the Vorloff and Sparge stage to add those in, and it we still got the color and some of the aroma, but none of the really roasty bitterness. And that's that was uh, exactly what I wanted. So I was quite pleased with how that turned out. Yeah, it was closer to kind of like a dry stout. Yeah. As far as the flavor profile. It was very smooth, very creamy. Um, So maybe more of a milk stout, I guess. But the milk stout, you still get some of that roasted notes, but for years there was hardly any at all. It was very smooth. Yeah, Mm oatmeal stout is the base. Yeah. And uh, it's good. I could tell you, like, as far as, like, my kind of mini group, like me, Zach, and Anna, that was probably our beer of the night. Um, you know, I, I know Anna had a lot of really great things to say, and I don't think that she was able to get enough of it by the end. Um, Zach also really liked it too. So, you know, all right. Well, thanks for that, Travis. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yep. I didn't really have much of a hangover. Uh, I was really surprised because between me and I guess pretty much everyone else at the wedding, uh, we drank an entire 750 mil bottle of whiskey. Ooh. Yeah, I was just walking around with my flask, and I was I was drinking on it most of the night. I didn't have much beer. I think I had one. Hmm. The rest of the night, I was just drinking whiskey, and I felt, you know, relaxed. But I never got drunk. I uh, guess I was I was just really pacing myself because we we got there about two forty five, three o'clock, mm-hmm. started drinking, and left around eleven. Mm-hmm. And okay. I was drinking that whole time, and the only thing I ate that day was the the meal that we had. Yeah, the, that's crazy. The Tex-Mex meal, that was, yeah, which was also pretty good. Uh, yeah, that was sound good. Of Chris eating his seed, <laughs> <laughs> which I was just really surprised that I didn't get like hammered because I didn't eat much that day, and I was sipping on whiskey the whole time. Yeah, like, and, and you know, it was super, you know one of the best parts about the wedding was the fact that anytime I saw you with that flask out, I knew that I could just kind of grab it and take a swig yep. out of it. Yep. <laughs> and then bridesmaids coming up to me, hey, I hear you have the good stuff. <laughs> anyway no it's a good time i enjoy myself yeah it's kind of nice going to a wedding and not getting hammered <laughs> yeah it's, it's not so much fun the next day the next day i woke up i was like oh i feel fine yeah <laughs> yeah the the drive home because we got a hotel was actually not awful like yeah it was oh. you know even even for me even you know even though i was you know actively trying to get drunk because i was not driving <laughs> um <laughs> i didn't i didn't feel too bad the next morning which is nice yeah and I'm sure Sawyer will have many more great things to say when he gets back from Jamaica. For sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not here on his honeymoon. <laughs> so but we will continue on without him. Yes. But first, I'm going to say thanks to our <laughs> thanks listeners. to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and if you have not yet, please click that subscribe, subscribe. button. Subscribe. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. I guess we're still on social media stuff. I don't. I don't know. Email us. Yeah. Which I haven't gotten any emails lately. Yeah. Sawyer's in charge of the Facebook, but I don't think he's been on the Facebook at all. Twitter's been fairly updated. Okay. I did update the website uh, a week or two ago, and so that one's fairly up to date with uh, episode postings and featured beer stuff. We haven't taken pictures in a long time. No. So the photo page is a little mm. a little outdated. The, mm. the only image people have of me is... Uh, quite unflattering photo of me at a <laughs> Kappa Kappa Psi area workshop 
probably my freshman or sophomore year. No, wait, no, I had an officer shirt on. It would have been like my fourth year. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll pull some pictures from all of the weddings we've been to and just have like a little wedding tab. Oh jeez. Oh boy. So that we can see the <laughs> the progression. You're gonna have to go back a ways for mine. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so today we're talking about category 31B alternative sugars. Oh. So, uh, Powers, you're going to read us those that their guidelines. The guidelines, which, well, let's be perfectly honest, just like last week, as it is in an alternative uh, category, it's going to be a lot of variable by base style. I don't care about milk sugar. I care about milk. <laughs> no, well, in this case, we do care about the milk sugar, Travis, or Sawyer. Um, so, that is in the name, the alternative sugar beer. So... Uh, notes, an alternative fermentables beer is a standard beer, classic style or not, with additional fermentable sugars. Uh, examples are honey, brown sugar, invert sugar, molasses, treacle, maple syrup, sorghum, and etc. added. Let's see. Impression, a harmonious marriage of sugar and beer, but still <laughs> recognizable as a beer. The sugar character should both be evident but in balance with the beer. Not so forward as to suggest an artificial product. I'm sorry. Forward? Forward. Forward. Yes. Not forward. You know, I find it interesting that they listed sorghum as a fermentable, uh, well, in the uh, alternative sugar, because that was also listed last week in the alternative grain. Yeah. But they didn't have the other alternative grains listed here, like rye, oats, buckwheat, spelt, millet, all that stuff. But sorghum was the only one listed in both. Does does sorghum have kind of a sweetening characteristic to it that wouldn't be evident in the other? I'm examples? guessing it has to have some sort of just natural sugars that. But yeah. you know, so does grain. So why did? Well, I don't know. Welcome to Bruce Styles. <laughs> more, more questions than answers. Well, I mean, just like maybe it's a like a fake sugar, like stevia is not really sugar, but people still use it as a sweetener. Yeah. So maybe it's something similar to that. And I like that they mentioned that it should not have an artificial quality to it. Right. It should still be recognizable as a beer. Like we don't get that, that candied uh, or like uh, shouldn't, shouldn't fake uh, extract sweetener stuff. Shouldn't give you the same impression that like sweet and low does in your coffee versus sugar. Like it shouldn't feel artificial like that, I guess. Okay. Something like that. Well, the aroma should be the same as the base beer, except that some additional fermentables honey, molasses, etc., may add an aroma com component. Whatever additional aroma component is present should be in balance with the beer components and be a pleasant combination. So again, base style beer, but you know these sugars could affect it in some way. Uh, appearance should be the same as the base beer, although some sugars will be will bring additional colors. Flavor, same as the base beer, except that some additional fermentables may add a flavor component. Whatever additional flavor component is present should be in balance with the beer components and be a pleasant combination. Added sugars should not have a raw, unfermented flavor. Some added sugars will have unfermentable elements that may provide a fuller finish. Fully fermentable sugars may thin out the finish. So, so far... Variable by base style. Yeah. But base style is going to be affected by these sugars. So always keep that in mind. Yeah. So that's that's important to note because there's a lot of styles that you can add 
um, like maltodextrin or something just to affect body, but just by adding that wouldn't make it go into alternative sugar beer. Whatever the alternative sugar is should have some sort of effect on the flavor aroma or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I think the the example that I brought today might not fit in that, but we'll we'll talk uh, about that when we get yeah. there. All right, it's still a good beer, maybe <laughs> hopefully. All right. Well, the mouthfeel should be the same as the base beer, although depending on the type of sugar added, could increase or decrease the body. Comments: If the additional fermentables do not add a distinguishable character to the beer. Enter it in the base style category. All right, there we go. Yeah, so, you know, if you do add something like that, you can enter it in the base style category and claim it. Um, but if it's kind of this one of the stars of your beer, you should enter it as an alternative sugar beer. A honey-based beer should not have so much honey that it reads more like a mead with beer, i.e. a braggot, than a honey beer. Okay. This style should not be used for styles where the alternative sugar is fundamental to the style definition or where a small amount of neutral flavored sugar is used simply to increase gravity, increase attenuation, or lighten flavor or body. Those beers should be entered as the normal base style. So we couldn't enter the uh, imperial blonde (laughs) that Sawyer did in this one. No, because that was just like an additional two pounds of table sugar. <laughs> I think it was four pounds. Yeah, I think it was four. Uh, you know, <sighs> with the seven pounds of corn sugar. But anyway, uh, entry instructions: you, uh, the entrant, must specify a base, <laughs> must specify a base style, but the declared style does not have to be a classic style. The entrant must specify the type of sugar used, and of course, um, the exceptions. All of your stats are going to vary based on. Uh, your base style. And the commercial examples for this one are ones that uh, I've had before, but I don't think we get them in Texas. Uh, Bell's Hop Slam is one that is it's one of their best beers that they make. And uh, Bell's recently came into our market within the past year. Mm-hmm. Hop Slam? Uh, I can't remember if we get that or not. I know I haven't had it personally in a long time, so I haven't ha- had it here, but it may be... Or it may not be in a uh, Dallas Fort Worth. So, but but apparently that one's listed. I don't know what the uh, the extra sugar is in that one because that's just a double IPA. Hmm. Uh, they also list Fuller's Honey Dew, obviously honey, and Lagunitas Brown Sugar, which is a barley wine based style huh. with brown sugar as I've, the additive. I've seen that around here. Yeah, we get that one. Yeah, but uh, I guess didn't it's have not it at the total wine. Yeah, not in season right now. Oh. So we picked up a few other things. Yeah. Uh, obviously, honey was was very prolific. We saw many examples with honey this, honey that. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to try to get a few different examples. We were looking for a maple, because a maple syrup beer would be awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Those are really popular, obviously, in Vermont and, and uh, the north northeast where maple is very common. I was about to say Canada, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's one that I know that we've had before. It's made by Rogue. It comes in a giant pink bottle. Oh yeah, and I've seen it's that. It's like the the maple, uh, uh, maple syrup bacon something. Yes, and it's their donut or voodoo yeah. donut series. Yeah, something like that. I've, I've seen that at some. It of the... tastes exactly like maple syrup and bacon. Interesting. And it's, it's intense. Like I couldn't have more than just a 
a small taster of it, full glass, ugh, probably not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It might, might be something really good to have over some pancakes and bacon. Who knows? I, right. Um, couldn't find it. We found some other rogue things, oh. but couldn't find that one. I've, I, yeah, I've seen that one at some of the better beer stores I've been to recently. Pick it up, just as for the experience. Just if try you it. See it. If you see it, pick it up. Okay. Definitely share the bottle, though. Yeah, share it with, <laughs> share it with lots of people. <laughs> Anna, hey, Anna, do you want this full glass of this beer? It's in a pink bottle. There you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's pink. <laughs> Beat me to it. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, we have a couple of different things. Um, one of them I'm really excited to try. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to vote to save that one for the end. Okay. Because um, it's a new one for everyone. I know mm. for, for sure. But anyway, all right. Well, let's get into it. Right yep. on. Well, first we have uh, hailing out of Sherman, Texas. What? What? Right, uh, nine hundred three Brewers, the land of milk and honey. So I'm sure you can all guess that our alternative fermentable here is going to be milk, not milk, but honey. I don't care about milk. <laughs> I mean, there could be some milk sugar in there, but yeah, it's that's not true. Fermentable. Yeah, that's an unfermentable sugar. Exactly. So. Uh, it's in a yellow can. It rings in at a yeah, decent 6.5% alcohol by volume. Um, it has a blurb. The blurb says, Our golden stout has been set free from the restraints of traditional style guidelines. Style. <laughs> it is a honey golden stout brewed with roasted malt and lactose for smoothness. Local honey from Kraus Honey... Gives it a light crispness with just a touch of sweetness. All this goodness made in a land flowing with milk and honey. There are a lot of S noises there, and now I can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a new one. (laughs) At least you haven't used it a lot. That's hilarious. Well... I gotta try to include Sawyer as much as I can. Yeah, we need absence. to. We, we we need drop Sawyer with us when when he's not here. Oh, there's so. plenty there. I know exactly. You can just you can run a laugh track just on his laughs. It would be probably. Well, the- <laughs> I'm sure out of those you know 15 pages, there are like nine, ten of them are Sawyer. Exactly. Well, uh, this beer pairs well with grilled meats, chili, and freedom. I'll be the judge of that. Freedom. I Freedom. thought he was going to say Fritos at first. In like, Fritos. Okay, well, you know, a little corn chip action. Frito corn. pie. Frito pie. Uh, chili and Fritos? It says chili. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a look at it. There's not much else going on here. You could call it Freedom Pie. Ooh. ooh. That sounds nasty. Mm. <laughs> I that, like pie. Oh, <laughs> would, that be a, would that be a French Frito pie if we're calling it Freedom Pie? Yeah, no. Eh. Freedom fries. Yeah. Eh. That that didn't last very long. <laughs> no. Anyway, no, 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 no. so it's uh, brilliantly clear. Very clear, yeah. yes. Nice amber color? Oh, no, it's yes. darker than yeah, amber. It's darker, darker than, than that. that. All right. I'd say it looks kind of like a a a dunkel. Yeah, it's a it's a bright oh, okay. a bright orange when held up to the natural light. Yeah. Oh, like a me, very vibrant. Let me turn around. <laughs> neon orange almost. Yeah, it looks kind of like a shiner. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, light white head. I'm not going to hold out in the aroma. Might be because allergies are killing me right now. Oh, I get stuff. Yeah, I just can't smell anything. It's very... I can <laughs> smell, yeah, I can smell things. <laughs> I am, uh, I think, I think I smell sweet. 
I was going to say that too. Yeah, it's it, it's all I can really smell is just sweet. There's nothing really definitive about the aroma, just that it has uh, an overall sweet character to it. Could you identify honey? For sure. Lac- lactose in there? I would say... Because they're claiming milk and honey. I would say both. But I also don't get a lot of beer in the aroma. Yeah, because, uh, you know, when... Well... Mead. Who knew? <laughs> when we did our mead episode, you definitely got a honey character, but it wasn't just like 100% honey. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I could kind of pull that from this too, that it has a, a honey element to it, but it's definitely not over the top, nowhere near like a, a mead or a braggot. Going at it a couple of times, I, I can get a little bit of a malt <laughs> character. Going at it? Oh, yeah. Well, I've already, I, I don't even have glasses <laughs> on today. I've been ready to get into it, get so far get so deep into this oh boy i'm not pulling milk but i am pulling like uh cereal grains yes that's what i'm thinking kind of like a daybreak Hmm. you know we talked about getting that one today too yeah that one would have fit for this episode Hmm. however we've already featured it on this podcast and if you want to listen to that episode then go to our website brewstyles.com click on featured beer and scroll on to martin house daybreak click on that and it'll take you right to the episode where we talked about it Fantastic. Now, flavor, I it, it is just very sweet. Yeah. Now, they call this a golden stout, which eh, I'm I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with the stout category for this, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Texas Ale Project plays around with that too. They have their beer called the Caucasian, which apparently is a a white stout basically. So okay. it looks it looks like a blonde ale, but it's supposed to drink like a stout. I don't know if I'm quite on board with with all that yet. It is a, a thicker mouthfeel than just you know if you had a shiner comparative to this. Yeah, they look similar, but the mouthfeel is uh, more full on this one. Yes, very true. Does this? I'm, I'm assuming it's an ale. Did it say um, ale on the? I would assume. If so. they're calling it a stout, that would be an ale. Yes. So, because uh, there is a a sweetness that's there, that and and it's pretty smooth. I I would if if you handed me this and told me that it was a Munich Dunkel or something like that, I it, I wouldn't be offended by it. Right. I'm more apt to go that direction than I am stout, based on what I'm seeing and what I'm tasting. I will say, like, comparing this to Daybreak, from what I remember of Daybreak, I would compare, I would almost compare Daybreak to, like, like as far as cereal grains go, like Cheerios, and I would call this one Frosted Cheerios, almost, okay. with that added touch of sweetness. Yeah. You know? And what you get from a, a Munich Dunkel is going to be bready and sweet and chocolatey. Right. Which is kind of why I go in that that direction with it. Now, the finish is not as clean as a lager. Um, it's got a tiny bit of harshness to it. Uh, it's not overly dry, but it is kind of drying. I don't know. This this is strange. Like it doesn't. I want to. I want to put the peg somewhere, but I I don't know where to put it. It it's, it's not a stout. No, I don't think it is. Do you taste the all the uh, the sugars that are added? Do you taste honey? Do you taste milk sugar? I'd be more apt. To say honey, however so slight. 
I think the milk sugar just helps to add to the mouthfeel and make it creamy feeling, mm-hmm. which is where I think where they're going with the stout. I think they're thinking milk stout. Try to fill out the body a little more. Right. But the honey, I think, is where the sweetness is coming from, but it's not so strong where I'm like, that's honey. You know what Mead. I mean? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Okay. I think I'm on board with that, too. It's... Yeah, it, it doesn't... Yeah, I don't think... If, if I were drinking this out of a red Solo cup with a blindfold, I wouldn't think stout, just from the mouthfeel. No. Um, or from the flavor. It does have it does have a solid sweet character to it, and that goes through, you know, right from the aroma all the way through the finish. It's... Uh, the finish is similar to a lager. It does have some smoothness to it, but it's uh, has enough of a rough edge to... To make me think that it is a, an ale, right? Not super bitter, not super dry. This could be a this could be a breakfast beer, and it's not super cold. I think I would enjoy this because you know we we bought them at Total Wine and then it sat in the fridge for an hour. It's not super cold. It's cool. Yeah, it's below room temperature. Now it's kind of getting closer to room temperature. But I feel like I would enjoy this a lot better if it were cold, like super cold. Yeah. Like sat in the fridge overnight and you're waking up to it. Yeah. And yeah. Just, you know, I, I think the, the warmth of temperature, not alcohol, the warmth of it is not helping. I'd agree with that. It does have like a frosted flakes element to it, though. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's got like just that lightly frosted type of. Would you call that like cereal an artist artificial sugar character? No, I would <laughs> call that <No>. great. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the other thing too. Um, it says if the additional fermentables do not add a distinguishable character, enter it in the base style category. Would you call it distinguishable? I don't think I would. Uh, you could enter it in this category. And if you claim the honey, uh, even then, that's that's fairly faint. Uh, but then again, you know, when you're judging something and you read on the sheet that something's claimed, you're looking for it. If I'm looking for honey, I'm going to find it in this. Yeah. If it wasn't claimed, I might totally just miss it. So no. when something is claimed, if you're looking for it and you can find it, that's great. But mm-hmm. it, it's definitely not overt enough that if you don't claim it at all, you'd be like, whoa, this is definitely honey. Yeah. But isn't that the point of a harmonious marriage? It's like, hey, if if you want it that you know, if it's if it's there, it's there, but it doesn't, you know, override the beer. Sure. What's it should still be noticeable. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you didn't put it in the alternative sugar what do you think this would do well in? Alternative grain, maybe? Because it definitely has cereal grains in it. But see, here's the other thing, too. What base style would you claim? Mm, I think maybe it's, an amber. Yeah, it's well, it's not hoppy enough for that. And well, it's, it's ambers too can be hoppy or sweet. It's too weak for a Munich Dunkel. And it's not a lager. I think your safest category would be an amber. Because the the range for amber is malty sweetness to hoppy, it's not it's not defined as one or the other. So you could, I'd I'd be more apt to believe it's an amber than it is a stout. 
even though they're claiming golden stout on the can, which I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, because if you claim the base style is a stout, and I pour it in the glass, the first thing I do is mark down appearance of one. Yeah. Because it doesn't match what you list for a stout. No. Right. Now, it did say, however, that it doesn't have to be a classic style. So maybe this would do well in the experimental category. But it says... um, when you it whatever what I'm saying is whatever base style you claim doesn't have to be a classic style, so they could claim golden stout. Golden stout. Okay, I'm with you. Okay, interesting. So if they claimed if they entered it as alternative fermentable, whatever if it was grain or sugar, you don't have to claim a classic style. They entered it as golden stout, and this is what you were given, and they claimed um, lactose and honey. I'd be quite happy with that because everything that I'm getting is pleasant. Mm-hmm. It's it's well balanced between the two things. You know, the, the alternative sugars could be a little more present mm-hmm. in right. the overall presentation. I think that's where I would ding it a little bit because if, if you're going to claim honey as an alternative sugar, I, I would want more than what I'm getting right here. And that's tough since that ferments out almost well, completely. I mean, I'm not saying I want it to be braggart level, yeah, because that's still pretty prominent honey. But mm-hmm. I don't want to have to search for it. If you're going to claim honey, I want to know that it's there. Okay, makes sense. My only question is, uh, how do you guys think that this would pair with chili? Because they say it would pair well with chili, and I do not agree. <laughs> Maybe chicken. <laughs> Maybe a chicken chili. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just looking at that. I'm like, mm, I would not be able to do this with chili. Now, grilled food, yeah. Yeah. Which it also said. Yeah. But so, anyway. Travis, with all those things being said, what would your BJCP rating be? If we there were an internet as it is, claim Golden Stout as the base. I'm going to go with a 38. Just because it's uh, the 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 fact that you're talking about the honey level is is not as high as it should be, then that excludes it from the uh, the excellent category. Mm-hmm. But everything else about this, I'm really enjoying. I could drink the crap out of this all day. It's it's very pleasant. Um, it has a lot of other complex things that are coming together, and they work together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I would go with a 38. I'm happy with this. I was thinking 36, so, yeah, right there. Good work. It is, I mean, I, it's a good beer. I like it. It really, I, this, this I might re- be my favorite thing from 903 so far. Yeah, and, and I was about to it say. It is my favorite thing from 903 so far. It's the only one. <laughs> now, blending notwithstanding, because we've blended some things from them that have turned out really well. Okay. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um. I would say this is my favorite thing that I've had from 903, and I can finally say that. You can finally say you like a 903 beer. I can finally say that I like a 903 beer, which I've always really, really wanted to like 903 <laughs> because they're from my hometown, but I just, ah, just not. Now, I will say, last year at Big Texas, we had their Blackberry something. I don't remember what it was. Um, I feel like it was a sour something. Some some kind of like special edition barrel aged blackberry something, that was fantastic. Hmm. The sour one, maybe 
Maybe so. I don't. I, I don't remember. I'd have, I, to, I'd have to go back in my <laughs> my big Texas notes and look it up. But um, but I, you can't buy that. No, yeah. not that I've seen. It it might be a brewery only thing, which we've been talking about for years. We should make a trip up there. And we went up there and we went to um, what's the one in Denison? Uh, Ivanhoe. Yeah, we went to Ivanhoe. I didn't go to that one. No, you weren't with us that day because Ivanhoe is mm. also a winery. And we went to Ivanhoe, but we didn't go to nine hundred three. So we still need to make a trip up there. Okay. Check it out. Um, yeah. I, I would be interested to see what other brewery only things that they have. But as far as what we can get down here, I'm I'm okay with this one. Yeah, this one's good. Anyway, what's poundability? Hmm. I'm going to put this at a 3.5. It's, it's I think sweet. I go higher than that. Yeah, was, it is sweet. It's really say, sweet. I was going to say five. Uh, it's just it's sweet and it's got that full mouth feel you know and and something uh, some something i'd say full not full but like you know medium full at least and it's also got this weird finish that just stops also, me from pounding it so i much. think it's also because it's a little warm yeah, that's true but as it's I served i think that this is a little too thick for me <laughs> sorry let him finish <laughs> as served i would give it a poundability of 3.5 yeah i'm, I'm gonna stick with five hmm I'm probably around a five as well. Uh, yeah, it's sweet. It has a, a fuller mouthfeel, but at the same time, it's like 6%, so it's not too over the top. I think Which, speaking of, of alcohol, okay. I didn't get any. No. We didn't, we didn't talk about that. It's pretty well covered. I didn't I didn't get any alcohol. No heat, no warmth, nothing. Even though it's a you know warmer temperature beer right now, so. Yeah. 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 This is nice. It also uh, is served in a can, and there was we don't have sorry with us, so we don't do a we don't have an official bruise in the news segment. But I did want to bring up that there was a a major event that happened uh, in the past two weeks that does affect the craft and the macro beer industry, and that would be the tariff that's been announced from uh, President Trump's administration on aluminum which uh, has officially been signed as of now, and there's a 10% tariff on all aluminum that's imported into our country. And uh, immediately, which I was surprised by this, the Miller Coors Company came out and they made a tweet. They, they actually made a series of tweets about it that they were completely against it, obviously, as <laughs> yeah, the majority of their packaging is either aluminum cans or aluminum bottles. Yes. So that really affects them. I don't know where their source is, obviously, it's got to be some imported or majority imported for mm-hmm. them to come out very strongly against that. Well, it's going to be wherever it's cheapest. So, you know, if, if whatever's cheapest is the import stuff, then, you know, driving that cost up, I mean, especially at that macro brewery level where you're, you know, dealing with multiple millions of barrels that you have to can, uh, that's, yeah. that's significant. That's a 10% increase on your pack packaging yeah okay so on march 1st millicor said we buy as much domestic can sheet aluminum as is it as is available however there simply isn't enough to supply or isn't enough supply to satisfy the demands of the american beverage makers like us american workers and american consumers will suffer as a result of this misguided tariff and i thought that was interesting they uh came out with a a second series of tweets four days ago after it has been officially signed and they are still very much against it. 
Mm-hmm. It says Millicore supports any policy that protects America's national security. However, the U.S. Department of Defense is on the record that any aluminum tariff is not being done in the name of national security. We will work within the exclusion process to demonstrate we can that can sheet aluminum should be exempted from any tariff. So they're trying to get around it. Mm. Which I mean, I don't, I don't blame them because that's that's a major part of their uh, of their cost. My my question there would be, what's the price difference between importing aluminum and using a domestic source? No idea. See that that's what I would say because like I I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to and he's been talking about this since when he was running. He wants to bring more jobs and more, you know the whatever it is that you're buying from the U.S. rather than importing from other countries. I'm assuming, I, don't, I haven't done a lot of research on it, but I'm assuming that's the goal behind this, is that companies here would use American-made aluminum yeah. rather than importing. So is it gonna, still going to be cheaper to import it with the 10% tariff, or is it cheaper now to use domestically produced aluminum? I, I don't know. Yeah, from what they're saying is that just the the American domestic supply isn't enough to mm-hmm. satisfy all of their, well, their training needs. Which means now if there's a a rush on the already short domestic supply that used to be cheaper, then the demand is going to go up, meaning the price is going to go up uh, given a constant supply. So, you know, even, even if this tariff brings that imported uh, cost of aluminum up, very likely the domestic price is going to come up to if not match come close to matching that and so you know it's it's really not going to be a much of a cost difference it's just going to be more government money i can see that too because if they're slammed with orders all of a sudden they're like well if we're going to sell this then let's yeah make it a little more expensive supply and demand you learn about that in ninth grade exactly i don't know yeah economics class so (laughs) Yeah, it's it, it just seems like it's um and you know, not notwithstanding the reaction of, you know, foreign governments to the tariffs that he passed, it's just you know, it it, it seems like it's gonna be end up hurting a lot of like especially these smaller craft breweries that are uh predominantly going to cans nowadays. Big time, yeah. yeah. You really see that a lot. You know, and I and I'm sure that's because of the cost savings of cans. I'm sure the bottles are, you know, more expensive to purchase and produce and so they were trying to go to cans to be you know better especially you know since they've started lining the cans a little bit better um so they're not you know it's it's not the same i guess uh stipulation or whatever it is that (laughs) you know it's going to taste metallic now because it doesn't uh so you know it's just it's just it 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 seems like it's kind of crappy for the people who use these products sure and we don't we don't talk politics on this podcast ever. Yeah. Uh, but the only reason that I wanted to bring this up is because one of the major players in the beer industry, Miller Coors, came out very quickly against it and publicly yes. against it. So if it's going to affect them, it's probably going to affect other people in the beer industry too. I can't imagine what um, AB InBev thinks about this, considering they are you know mainly headquartered in a foreign yeah. country. And and I haven't seen a rebuttal from them, or I haven't really looked, but. Hmm. Interesting, considering they renamed yeah. their beer America for a short time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's interesting, too. You know, you talked about um, craft brewers going the way of cans because they're cheaper. Most places, when they open up, it's bottles. 
I wonder if the equipment for bottles maybe is cheaper, and so the the upfront mm-hmm. cost is is less expensive. Well, I, well, I don't know. I, I guess what you have to do with with bottles is just buy the bottles and then just get a conveyor that caps them. Maybe that's easier than well filling. Well, filling and capping. Filling and yes. capping. But, but you're gonna have yeah. That. I don't know. It's interesting because hmm. I did not really thought about why. Because I remember we were at RAR when they unveiled their new canning machine, and it was like this huge to do. Because oh, <laughs> um, they've been bottling for years and years and years. Yeah, and now Revolver is doing cans, and uh, you know I've started seeing those out in the stores now too. What I need for these craft brewers to do is release the mini kegs like Heineken has. Yes. That's what we need. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to our next beer. Cool. Well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, we are. Thanks, Sawyer. We are moving on to, which is almost one of the highest alcohol beers we've ever had in the podcast. Hmm. No. Well, it's close. Icebach was 17. And the, uh, the pumpkin... Rumpkin got to sixteen point nine. Yeah, yeah. So now this is this is still a good <laughs> four four points under. Yeah, because we had one that was fourteen uh, percent or something. I don't know, but this one is from Saint Arnold out of Houston, Texas, and it's the Divine Reserve series. And this is a series of of beers that they release maybe one a year. And uh, for a long time, it was really sought after, hard to get. As soon as the truck arrived at the grocery store, you had to be there at 10 a.m. to be able to get a six-pack of it. And so it was, it was uh, had a pretty big following. Well, now they are a fairly large company. In fact, their their cap, the cap on the bottle says they won the 2017 Mid-Size Brewing Company of the Year at uh, GABF this past year. So St. Arnold is a legit following and they also have the the brewing space to make larger batches of this, so it's easier to find now. But this is their Divine Reserve series, number 18, and it's a bit of a stretch, but I think we can fit it into this category if we try. So here's what it says. It's an Imperial Stout, and on the website it says, Diving into darkness, you can gain insight into your potential, allow the absence of light, and truly find what it means to have it. This approach was taken when designing Divine Reserve number 18. How can we push the limits of our brew house, our house St. Arnold yeast, ourselves? After many, many test brews of Imperial Stouts, we found the processes needed to create the beer with a massive amount of flavor and aromatic qualities. For DR18, we used a grain bill that requires four times the amount of grain as fancy lawnmower, doused in two editions of Belgian candy syrup. Okay, so that would be one additional fermentation sugar, uh, although it doesn't really affect the flavor but it still is something. So there's that. During fermentation to provide an an adrenaline shot to the yeast and let the beer rest for three months before adding a small amount of Madagascar vanilla beans as an added layer of complexity. The beer pours a rich darkness. No light passes through. Topped with a mocha-colored head, the aroma is filled with molasses. There's another one. Vanilla, baker's chocolate, and rich dark fruit from our house yeast. The flavor profile starts with rich chocolate and raspberries that are dipped in honey. Uh Uh-huh. Then builds on dried dark cherry notes and finishes with wine-like silkiness. Please enjoy Divine Reserve number 18 at 60 degrees Fahrenheit and in the safety of your own home. Because the alcohol is at 13.4% for this guy. 
So. All right. Well, even I, though it, it lists a lot of things that could be alternative fermentables, I don't know if all of those were actually put into it. It, it, it was also probably like not meant in the same way as Milk and Honey was for 903. But I'll allow it considering it's hopefully a pretty good beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a limited release and we haven't featured many of them of our podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, we can bend the rules to make it fit in, in this style. So first off, no, no light passes through. Yeah. It's black. <laughs> it's black. Holy crap. You can't see through it. No light. I it get a, poured I, look, like looking, motor oil when I poured it. Looking at your glass when you were kind of holding it off, I think I got a little bit of the refraction. Had some nice ruby highlights there, but I couldn't get that on my glass. <laughs> yeah, this is really dark, really thick, mocha colored head. Like I said on the uh, on the yep on the uh, explanation for it. I still can't smell anything. Oh my god, I get lots of dark. Uh, dark chocolate, dark fruit notes in the aroma. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you the first thing I thought nope. when I first smelled this beer. <laughs> I thought, is it bad that like I almost think it smells like Whataburger spicy ketchup? No, uh, I don't no. know if I'm gonna agree with you there, pal. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's uh, necessarily that out there. I immediately thought of Dr Pepper. Okay. 23 flavors. All 23 flavors? Yeah, well, it, they just about listed 23 flavors right there. <laughs> it's not nearly like the Kafka-esque. No. <laughs> have you ever had Kafka-esque? Yes, I did have some on tap for... That uh, one has like 23 flavors. Yes, that was definitely an interesting beer. <laughs> I'll agree with you in that uh, the vanilla takes a major role in the aroma for me. Yes. And I know that's also a big player in Dr. Pepper as well. Yeah. It's it's vanilla extract heavy on the aroma. I got nothing. It's there, and it's it's. I'm really it's upset because I want to smell this. Yeah. It's it's a it's very pleasant. It's definitely not subtle. Oh, then I'm surprised I'm getting nothing. I know. <laughs> now the flavor, though, I definitely get some things which y'all's perspective is probably going to be vastly different than mine, just because of I can't smell anything right now. You'd be surprised at how much that olfactory thing really messes with your taste buds. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a lot of very dark, roasty notes, some dark chocolate, and that's about it. Hmm. The flavor on this is just really intense. It's it's full. It's thick. I get lots of dark chocolate. Vanilla comes through as well. Um, like some of thick molasses notes I'm getting also. Are you getting the alternative fermentable sugars? Well, molasses, I could say yes. Yeah, I can I can agree with molasses. I wouldn't agree with honey, but honey's one that ferments out way too easily that Yeah. You know, I you know, you have to put a crap ton of honey in there and I don't think that that's what they were going for with this. Yeah, and that could easily hide behind all the roasty notes. Oh yeah. Behind the the, the ton of dark grains that they had in there. And oh. the dark fruits from the yeast. Yep. Uh, the This was the one with the candy sugar, right? Yeah, Belgian candied sugar. You're not going to get any flavor from that one. Yeah. That just well, you get the ABV. dark fruit from that. Okay, that's true. I could agree like, with like some a dark fruit. Bee extract. I'm just getting roasted, dark roast and dark chocolate. It is 
kind of bitter. Very it's a honey vanilla. vanilla. Wow. Ah, is that it? Is that the one you're looking? That's for? what I was looking for. <laughs> honey vanilla. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I get a lot more vanilla out of the minstrel. Ooh, well, I, I don't think it's quite that level. Yeah, there's another drop we need there. It's like the uh, have you heard the the Owen Wilson thing where he says "Wow, wow"? wow. <laughs> I saw this one. <laughs> Sorry, small side side tangent here. Uh, it was this clip of Star Wars clips tied together where every time Chewie roars, it turns into "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway. Um there's a tortoise on the internet that makes the Owen Wilson well. Really? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> wow. It's on YouTube. Wow. Oh wow. Search Owen Wilson tortoise. <laughs> or just Owen Wilson Wow and you'll get a lot of good stuff. So what Anyways. I what I will say about this is that it uh does not attempt to hide the alcohol warmth at all. I can definitely Gosh. Well, get that 13, warmth. It's hard to hide it's it. It's hard to hide it, but yeah, it is it is super there. <laughs> now, the more I drink this, the more I'm starting to get a little bit of like sweet molasses. I don't know that I'd say honey, no. but the molasses and the dark fruit, I think for sure, come through. I'm surprised they didn't just t- toss this in like a barrel. And add that character to it also, because it already has the vanilla. That'd have been a lot, though. Yeah, maybe they did, and we won't see it for another five years. Yeah, right. In the Bishop's Barrel series, yeah, twenty six. <laughs> it's it's the next Jameson's cask mate, I guess. No, man. Yeah, that. And when you get a beer like this, it's always difficult to decide whether you really enjoy it or if it's just overwhelming it is a lot to process i i definitely enjoy it it's gonna take me a minute to get through the rest of this glass <laughs> yeah there's just so many so many flavors it's it's very full bodied yeah um vanilla still comes through pretty heavily on the flavor i'm getting that as one of my main main flavor elements in this one and yeah, as you said, Chris, the the alcohol warmth is there. Yeah, it is present and it is not hidden at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably should just open one of these. Yeah, that's what I'm starting to think too. We <laughs> Thanks, have, Travis. We have two bottles of these. Thanks of this for that, one. Travis. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> you, live, you live and you learn. You're and, welcome. <laughs> Oh goodness! Well, it's filling. Yeah, it truly is. Glad we only have three today. Yeah, that's all right. If uh, so, if this were entered in BGCP as an Imperial Stout base category, entered in the alternative fermentables, with them claiming, let's say, molasses and honey. I would only claim the molasses. Yeah, no, I, I, you don't taste the honey enough for okay. them to claim it. So just claim the molasses as the alternative fermentable. 40. Yeah, it really does hit all the check marks that you're looking for. Uh-huh. And that's with me being able to taste like half of what's there probably. Yeah. I mean, it's got the the um, Imperial Stout character for sure. Chewy, roasty, chocolatey. Thick. 
full bodied, like mm-hmm. probably the fullest bodied beer that you can get. Um, yeah. And the molasses. I think that this is a little too thick for me. <laughs> the molasses notes are definitely present. So yeah, if they claimed imperial stout and molasses, it would be at least a forty. I I could be convinced to go higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. maybe just the the alcohol could be a little more well, subdued or hidden. Yeah, in this, but it's thirteen but, something. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's the um what's the alcohol warm supposed to be in a base style imperial stout? Should be. I don't want to say present, but it should be warming. Should it be? I think less they use the this? term "welcomed." Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like it's it's a welcomed warmth. Right. So and I I don't have anything negative to say about this warmth. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like forty minimum, but I could be convinced to go higher fairly easily. Yes. Like if I'm sitting with a judge that has a lot of experience doing imperial stouts, he's like, "No, this is a this is a forty-five. I'd be like, then you just okay, fine, forty-five. <laughs> it's kind of a hard style to judge I think because it's very specific and yet there's a broad range of what's acceptable does that make sense Travis yeah because I mean there's a certain level of roast to where it's like too much but then some people are like no the roastier the better and you know the the alcohol warmth is a very individual kind of thing what i could say i don't know i don't get it at all you could be like oh my god it's so hot yeah in the competition setting sadly the bigger the better right because you want to stand out and it's there's been too many times where a very well-made beer well-rounded well-crafted nice beer gets entered and it just gets kind of lost because you know something else is more it stands out more. And it's right. like, well, you it's know. It's not this big, nasty, yeah. roasty stout. This one had all these flavors and complexity. And this other beer is just, you know, very, very nice and pleasant. Right. And absolutely would be a, a well crafted, world class example. But if it doesn't. It's not going to win best of show. If it doesn't wow the judges, then. Right. <laughs> Which sucks. You know, that's that's the the human element of the judging aspect of it that, that sucks. You know, there's not just. This is the most well-rounded, flavorful, and yet balanced beer. It's, no, this is, we have to have the biggest, nastiest, roastiest stout, and that's what's going to win. No, oh, goodness. You know, and, and like I said, it depends on the judges, too. Yeah. So. But very rarely does a 45-point American light lager win no. the championship medal over a, a no. double IPA or imperial stout. No. And... And here's another just interesting side note. I would be really interested to know what would happen if you had a room full of, you know, national level judges and you gave them commercial examples and how they would rate them. That would be interesting. Woo. I'm feeling the warmth from this in my yep. face already. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's ask the question. Poundability. Hmm. Two? Yeah. A one? Is that high? Yeah, I was about to say two is high. Well, like I said, I'm not getting a lot of flavor here, so I'm going to go with two. Uh, (laughs) And you're going to go double me because I'm at one. Yeah. I'm going to go with one as well. Thick, complex, lots of flavor. 
<laughs> Lots of alcohol warmth. It's it's everything that you want a poundability one beer to be, except for the toothpaste characteristic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could not pound this at all. No. Yeah, let's not get another tangent about toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> Good beer. I'm glad that we got a chance to try it. Oh yeah. This is great. How recent is this is this release? The eighteen. Rate beer had four ratings on it. Ooh. So very new. Yeah, I didn't see how many ratings Untapped had because that's a little more trafficked than Rate Beer. Yeah. Uh, uh, untapped has fifteen hundred ratings. So I guess it's been out for a, a little bit, at least a couple of weeks, maybe a week or two. Speaking of which, uh, check us out on Untapped. We are Bruce Styles. Go figure. All one word. <laughs> split. Oh, good question. I think it's all one word. I yep. also believe it's all one word. We are all one word. Bruce Styles. Bruce Styles. We're a podcast about beer. Yep. All right. Well, as we round out this glass, I have to ask, what is next? All right. So our last beer for today. Yes, that's correct. We only have three. Uh, is from Franconia in McKinney. Which, it's kind of ironic because nowhere on here, except for in one little corner, does it say anything about Franconia. It says McKinney Beer. Interesting. Really? Normally it says Franconia, like, really big on the label. Yeah. Right. But on the side, and this is why, I I guess I should say, it's Honey Spelt. On the side it says Franconia and Harvest Story. That's the only time it says Franconia anywhere on the label. Franconia Honey Spelt puts a modern spin on a traditional beer. This brew was created in collaboration with McKinney nonprofit The Seed Project Foundation, whose mission is to fund educational, agricultural, and community initiatives that support sustainability. We partnered with local farms for honey and base malt to brew with Old World Spelt from Germany, creating a beer that captures the very essence of spring. So there you go. All right. Established 2018. Okay. McKinney Beer. So huh. I don't know if this is a separate company or they're they're including the collaboration as a separate thing. But it says established 2018 McKinney Beer. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's the first I've heard of that. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not real sure what to but it does say franconia brewing co it 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 does have the beer from here slogan on the side next to the barcode so i'm assuming this is still franconia maybe this is like a series that was established in 2018 or something that'd be cool i mean they're uh like it said on the label they're um collaborating with a non-profit the seed project so maybe they're gonna like collaborate in different ways with this non-profit or maybe with different non-profits it could be interesting yeah. So anyway, uh, it's a beer that's brewed with honey. And nowhere on here does it say anything about ABV or, which I thought on, you know, the legal side of it, they had to put that on the label. Hmm. Anyway, uh-huh. I didn't I didn't really know anything else about the beer until I looked at it and untapped. Apparently, the base beer is alt beer. Okay. And the ABV is 7.8. Oh. 
You know, spelt spelt is one of those grains that's listed in the alternative grain section, along with sorghum and millet and all that stuff. So could this be another alternative grain example? Yeah. Could be alternative grain Mm. or alternative sugar. Yeah, it could fit in either one based on what you want to do. So you brew the same beer and you enter it in two different categories. So in alternative grain, you you would uh, claim spelt because the brew with that. And then in tom- in alternative fermentables, you'd claim the honey. Hmm. Well, just to refresh on what alt beer is, because our other examples have been something that we knew something about. They're pretty common. Stout, imperial stout. Of course, golden stout, eh, but we can kind of surmise. That's next week. <laughs> golden stouts. Eh, not quite. <laughs> so just to... Refresh us on what alt beer is. Uh, overall impression, this is 7B, by the way. A well-balanced, well-attenuated, bitter, yet malty, clean, smooth, amber to copper-colored German beer. The bitterness is balanced by the malt richness, but the malt intensity and character can range from moderate to high. The bitterness increases with the malt richness. So a well-balanced, well-attenuated, light, malty, clean, bitter beer. That's kind of vague. But that's what it is. Hmm. Yeah, alt beer is one of those hybrid styles. Yeah, where it has some characteristics from both uh, ales and lagers, but usually cooler fermented. And the reason that I wanted to save this one for the end is because Franconia is largely German beer based. Okay. And I have yet to have a Franconia beer that I don't like. Yeah. And this is a new beer, and I was I was. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, I'm getting that one. <laughs> well, it fit our style pretty well, for sure. Yeah. And last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brilliantly clear. Yes. yes. Definitely like an amber color because it's the okay. It's the lighter. Yeah. Lighter amber to dark golden hue. Very carbonated. Lots of, lots of bubbles that have lasted for a long time. I'm still not getting anything from aroma, so I'm gonna have to wait until you guys tell me now, what it is you're smelling. It uh, it does evoke a little bit of that, um, I guess, malt characteristic that we were getting from the alternative grains last week, but in a more pleasant fashion, <laughs> I'll say. But that, that that is the memory I'm that, that well, this one. Yeah. This one's also evokes. not claiming to be gluten free. So. Yes, which is <laughs> yeah, because thankful. It, it's not like bready or biscuity like you'd expect from what we're usually used to but it's uh, yeah it does have a lot of what we got from last uh, last week like the sorghum notes or something where it's it's just a little different exactly yep now there's that sweetness from i'm sure the honey just a little bit i can smell the honey yeah that comes through maybe in a decent bit of hop character Hmm. yeah I'm, i'm the flavor i'm Definitely getting some bitterness, but on basically any beer, if you were to pinch your nose and drink it, then you'd get bitterness. So <laughs> I, I can't really claim that that's over the top or not. It's not overly bitter, but it's it's. Travis just had a reaction. Hmm. <laughs> I had a reverse burp. <laughs> oh, where the bubbles go down your throat. Ugh. It's different. I'll say that. Not bad. It's different. And I think a lot of that has to do with the grain. 
Like like I was yeah. just saying, a lot of it has to do with that. It's just the spelt. Yes, the spelt. Um, it's just something that I don't necessarily taste in beer a lot, but I've tasted the past like two episodes. <laughs> See, this is why I'm really angry that my allergies are are acting up because I would I can't taste what's mm-hmm. different about this to another beer. I do get some honey sweetness in it. I do. It, it's there. I get it. It's there for sure. Yeah. But it does have this really drying, I don't want to say really harsh, but it's kind of harsh bitterness. I get like the lemongrass bitterness. Yeah. There yeah. it is. Like the dryness from, from a lemongrass flavor. Yeah. And that's that's pretty prominent in this above other characteristics. I, I could see that, yeah. Okay. Would you say it's harsh though? No. But I don't I don't feel it's it's bready or welcoming or soft. It's should it be though? I don't remember reading bready for alt beer. I'm I'm raising my shoulders because I don't know. <laughs> well, for well, alt beer, the flavor should have assertive hop bitterness, well balanced by a sturdy yet clean and crisp malt character. It does have an assertive bitterness to it yes yeah and it does say medium high carbonation which we're getting i would say yes a good yeah. amount of carbonation there um uh, you know not being the alt beer expert based on what we've read i would say it fits the category pretty well and yeah. has a honey presence yeah i, I can't knock this beer no it's quite drying. Mm, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be just a little, <laughs> a little more well-rounded on the edges. Yeah. Uh, so it, the back end is a little bit rough. That's what she said. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's just one of those that it it does hit the check marks like you're looking for, but at the same time, so that, there, there's some things about it that kind of push you away. That's where your overall impression score comes down a little bit. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, see, it does say a long lasting, this is under all beer, by the way, a long lasting, medium dry to dry, bittersweet finish reflects both hot bitterness and malt complexity. Mm. Spicy, peppery, uh, floral, hop flavor can be moderate to low. No roasted malt harshness. Apparent bitterness level is sometimes masked by malt character. Bitterness can seem as low as moderate if the finish is not very dry. Light, sulfury, mineral. Character optional, despite being full, uh, very full of flavor, light-bodied enough to be consumed as a gravity-fed session beer in its home brew pubs of Dusseldorf. So it should be gravity-fed. Hmm. Which is interesting because it said medium-high carbonation. Normally, gravity-fed beer. Gravity-fed beers. Wow. Gravity-fed <laughs> beers are, are not that highly carbonated. All right. Yeah, they're usually just like bubbly. Hmm. So it's interesting. I, I If we could find enough alt beers to do an alt beer episode, I don't think we've done one. Because it's not a style that we get, you know, very much of. I think we have. Around here. Have we? Pretty sure we have. Uh, I Was it one of those confirm. that we had to kind of like make it work? <laughs> <laughs> like dark milds. Yeah. 
I don't remember because I I don't I don't feel like I have a whole lot strong, of strong dark milds. See, well, this is where we need a, an intern to uh, join us in our podcast to look things up and right and be able to answer <laughs> these questions. Or we need a producer or somebody that's going to mail us some beers and we can you know drink them on the air and talk to them <laughs> via a phone interview <laughs> if they get a lot of those styles in their area. Because yeah. I don't feel like I've had a whole lot of experience with alt beers, and this is the style that this one's based on and i i just don't feel like i'm well versed enough in the flavor profile to make an an honest and accurate opinion so there has been an alt beer episode um we had alaskan amber martin house turtle oh, I power remember this strange land ale mania and a homebrew yeah we kind of had to make that one work <laughs> I, I remember that one now as soon as you said alaskan amber i remember that one because it's an alt beer, but they call it an amber. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the Turtle Powers, yeah. There's a lot going on in that one, just like with all of Martin House's beers. Martin House has a lot of, lot of stuff. But anyway, yeah. with this beer. So, anyway, my, my, my point is I don't feel like I have enough flavor profile experience to say whether or not this is correct. Well... I like it more as a drink on it, though. Yeah, my first impressions weren't weren't all that exciting, but it's growing on me. It does okay. I Jer- like it. Jeremy just toasted my check in to, to mil- milk and milk honey. And honey. <laughs> Jeremy spoke. <laughs> so, Jeremy, you're uh, you just live toasted my check into your beer that we did on this episode. Good work. <laughs> now. Now share it on Twitter, numbers. And Facebook, <laughs> yeah. and Instagram. Yeah. All right, pound a, pound a bit rating on the super pills. I'm sorry, what? Well, not hmm. the super pills, but the honey spell. Well, I can definitively say that my poundability is higher than the imperial stout that we just had. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> but only by only by so much. Um. Hmm. I'm actually going to go up to. I, I said five on. The milk and honey, uh-huh. two on the divine reserve. I'm gonna go up to seven on this one. I can do a six. I'll go up to a six on this one. I was gonna say I can come up to a five in a world where I gave the milk and honey three point five. So in we're a world. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I yeah. think. Cool. We all we all think that this is the most poundable beer of the day. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also the lightest one, so it makes sense. True. But as far as BJCP goes, Travis, hmm. if someone were to say this is an alt beer made with honey and spelt, not knowing exactly what spelt is and being, you know, limited as far as your experience on alt beer, how comfortable would you be and what would your rating be? And that's such a difficult question because he, yeah, you, you would obviously want to enter it as a... Uh, alternative grain because spelt i don't know what it tastes like but i'm assuming it has a pretty major effect on all the characteristics of this beer like i was saying it's it's got a lot of that same characteristic that the sorghum beers had last week well and and i wouldn't be surprised if the spelt adds some more bitterness oh yeah I, i but i don't know i'd have to do research on what spelt is yeah we should do an alternative grain episode where you don't drink any beers we just eat 
a bunch of different grains. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, let's go to Whole Foods and just, you know. Uh, we're going to have an episode of Grain Styles, guys. There you go. <laughs> ah. What would your rating be? Well, I mean, and that's that's one of the most difficult positions that you can put a BGCP judge in is when they're judging a style that they don't know anything about. So that's why the, the style guidelines are written in a way that if you don't know what something is, you can check the boxes. Kind of infer what you're supposed to get out of it. But these two styles are not that. Mm-hmm. Because it's variable by base style. And especially with the alternative grain, if you've never had sorghum or spelt or you know whatever else, then sure. you don't know what to expect. Which I don't think many people have. Right. I think I'd have to play the, the, the safe card and just say like a 35. Yeah, I was thinking 36. I mean, there's there's that that range of scoring points where it's safe. Like, sure. we're not going to give uh-huh. it a, a teen or a 20-something. No. Right. Because it's drinkable, and it's good. It has good flavor. It's It's relatively complex. I can identify the honey. I can identify the base style. So, obviously, it's well-crafted. Yes. This would not win any major awards as far as a BJCP competition. Right. Where to go? <laughs> On the sole fact of what we mentioned before, it's not a punch-in-your-face, full-of-flavor, complex <laughs> beer. It could it could win some, um, some other beer uh, competitions that mm-hmm. some of the... Um, commercial people enter like gabf or something like that okay but it's not going to win something that's that's homebrew centered i think but yeah i I would say about 36 there's that 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 low to mid 30 range that's really safe you're not going to offend anybody by giving them that score Mm -hmm. but they're also not going to win anything yeah true and you don't feel confident enough to give it a you know a world-class score because you really don't know what spelt tastes like, and so you can't <laughs> definitively say yes. This is a world class example of a spelt beer being harmoniously married married to this other things. So yeah, you just have to go with a, a safe score. Which I mean, thirty five is a great score. Yeah. If I enter a beer, one of my homebrews, and I get a thirty five, I'm like, okay, that's 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 great. Right. Thank you. And you know, I to be completely honest. Not many people are going to enter this category. No, with something no. like spelt. Like that what, is true. I don't why, know where to, why would where you where to buy spelt. Why would you enter that category at all, unless <laughs> you had a reason to be brewing that kind of beer? I was about to say like at all. Period. Like if you if you have <laughs> blue bonnet and you want to get a medal, <laughs> like if you can't if you can't drink anything or eat anything that has gluten in it if you have celiac disease and you're brewing that kind of beer then that's fine mm-hmm. and you enter your beer in that category because it's made out of sorghum or whatever and that's fine you might get a a ribbon for that category you're not yeah. going to win best of show no not with that kind of beer and that's fine so I, that's all i'm saying like I, what what other unless you're doing something way off the wall with an alternative grain or alternative sugar or you brewed a beer entirely out of molasses which why Over here sniffing walls. <laughs> <laughs> what would you brew to enter in this category unless it was something that you brewed you're like well i don't know what to enter it as so i'm just gonna put it in this 
Uh, maple maple based ones would be really good. Yeah. So I, you know, it, it's a very it's a very small group of individuals. I think like if I brewed a five gallon batch of maple beer, probably not <laughs> something that I would brew just because I really like it and would drink it. But to each his own. Yeah. Anyway, this was interesting. It was an. You know what? I gotta say, I did enjoy these beers a little bit more than I enjoyed the alternative grain beers. As did I. Yes. Because they yes, felt like. For sure. Like let's just be perfectly honest. They felt like real beers. Well, and we had a, <laughs> we had a divine reserve. So yeah, that's true. That's it's always a always yes. a good decision. <laughs> what are we doing next week, Travis? Well, Chris. Uh, First, I want to say thank you for joining us for our latest episode of Boost Styles, where our topic of discussion was alternative sugar fermentables. Join us next week when we enter the Garden of Eden and try the forbidden fruit, the apple, <laughs> in the example of a cider. Cheers to We haven't done cider yet? Oh, my God.